You're listening to the Emerging As Me podcast with me, your host, Caitlin Cox, a show to encourage and uplift you with my personal stories and impactful guest interviews. As we work through the hard stuff together, we will empower one another to persevere through all of life's challenges. We'll cover it all from marriage and motherhood, living in rural communities, loss and hardship, and how to keep faith alive while finding hope in your everyday life. The journey of life, as I have learned, isn't always a direct path to success and happiness. I'm traveling down life's winding roads, learning to navigate as I go, always growing and emerging with new perspectives and understanding. I'm constantly emerging as me through all of the things that life throws my way. So join me on this journey as we choose to emerge as better versions of ourselves every day. Let's get into it, y'all. Hello everyone. I'm so glad you're here. Today um, my heart is really heavy. When this podcast airs, it will be September the 26th. That is our little girl's heavenly birthday. She would be five years old today. The month of October is Infant Loss Awareness Month. Stillbirth affects about 1 in 175 births. And each year, about 21,000 babies are stillborn in the United States. So today, I'm going to share our story, Edlin's story. It was September of 2018, and we had just had a really bad hurricane hit our area. We had major flooding. It was Hurricane Florence. Our roads were flooded or even washed out in some places. For about one to two weeks after the storm, the rivers rising and just damages. I had a doctor's appointment that I couldn't get to. I was down to visiting once a week at that point in my pregnancy. I was in the third trimester, close closer to the end. I missed that one doctor's appointment at 37 weeks. Living in a rural area, my OBGYN's office was and is about 40 minutes away from home so the roads were not passable I couldn't get there it just was not possible to get there so we moved my appointment or we just you know I went the next Monday when things had cleared up and you could actually get somewhere on the roads they had patched them up good enough and the water had gone down some I went to my appointment So over the weekend prior to my appointment, I had felt really tired and maybe not not great, but I mean, I was really pregnant too, so I thought that's what it was possibly, and that could have been what it was. We hadn't had any electricity for about a week because of the storm, and then just all the stress of the storm. I don't know if that had me worn down, and that's why I just felt bad. But anyways, over the weekend, I felt like the baby was kicking and constantly poking her butt out of the side of my belly. I also have a bicoordinate uterus, so that means it's like heart-shaped almost, but the right side of my uterus comes up higher than the left. So every time I have carried a baby, they mostly sit on the right side of my body. And 
it's like she kept sticking her little butt out in my ribs on the right side all weekend. I thought she was moving. So Monday, I go to the doctor and they call me back into the room, you know, and I'm waiting on them. They're coming in. They've got the handheld Doppler out to check the heart rate and she's can't find it. She's keeping her cool. I'm trying to keep my cool. She said, well, let's just go ahead and go do an ultrasound. I remember putting my clothes back on so that I could walk across the hall to the ultrasound room. I was so nervous and so scared and just thinking, everything's going to be okay. I was just like, this has got to be something wrong with, you know, the handheld Doppler. Got to be something wrong with it. Everything's fine. So she took me to the ultrasound room and the ultrasound tech confirmed it that there there wasn't a heartbeat. So I had gone to my appointment alone. I was there by myself and I remember just feeling like somebody had ripped my whole heart out of my body. I felt like my whole world had imploded. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, I just couldn't move. It was, yeah. So they called my husband for me and I told him that we had lost her. He actually thought when I called that he said, is it time? Is it time? Do I need to come? And I had to stop him and say, no, there's not a heartbeat. And I was hysterical and he stopped what he was doing and headed that way as fast as he possibly could. But that would be at least 40 minutes or more before he got there. So my doctor took me over to labor and delivery. She walked me over there herself. I was completely just broken. I thought Evelyn was still moving. But it turns out that I was what I was feeling was my uterus contracting. That's what I kept feeling all weekend was my uterus contracting. It wasn't Evelyn moving. When we got to the labor and delivery, they did another ultrasound to be sure, just to really just give me, I guess, a peace of mind or just to assure me that there wasn't a heartbeat and there was no movement. At that point, I asked um, my doctor, what do we do? And she told me, she said, you can choose to go home if you want and just wait for labor to start naturally. Or you can, we can start, you know, we can induce you today, as soon as today. And at that point, I just kind of, I didn't want to go home. I did, I just felt like I couldn't go home and deal with walking in to her nursery that we had painted and decorated and hung curtains the weekend before and face that space with, with her and my Billy, but her not here with us. I, I told her, I said, I want to be induced. So I started labor that Monday night, and it was awful. <laughs> I labored for almost 30 hours, and at that point, I had only dilated five centimeters, and they had me to the maximum amount of Pitocin that they could give a patient. I think 40 units is what I was on, pretty sure, and it was absolutely awful. I will always say that Pitocin is the devil's drug. <sighs> so, early Wednesday morning, around 2 a.m. or so, the pain had gotten 
to the point that the epidural that I had gotten just was not touching it. It wasn't helping anything. I couldn't move my legs. So it was like I was still paralyzed, you know, my legs wouldn't move, but I could feel everything. I could feel all the contractions and they would come in, the nurse and my husband and my, my daddy were there and daddy would help. They would try to roll me, you know, from side to side to try to get the medication to move so that it would help relieve some of the contractions and the little button that they give you that you can mash, you know, if you feel like you need extra pain relief with the epidural, you can only mash it every so many minutes. I would sit there and hold it in my hand, just looking at the light to light up so that I could mash it again. It was just getting really bad. And I think it made it worse that I couldn't, you can't move because the epidural has your legs paralyzed. So at that point, my blood pressure started going up and it was beginning to get even scarier. I remember my daddy being there telling the nurses and doctors that it was time to do something. I think he was worried about me seeing me like that. So the on-call doctor came in and we decided to do a C-section. They really wanted me to try to wait and just, you know, have natural birth. And I just couldn't, couldn't do it at that point. I had, I was exhausted. Physically, my body was just crushed and emotionally I was crushed and exhausted and I just didn't have any, I couldn't do it anymore. I told her that I wanted to do the C-section and that I did not want to be conscious during the surgery to please just not out, put me to sleep. I do not want to be awake during that. So they took me in for the C-section and afterwards I remember waking up in recovery and my whole entire body was just shaking uncontrollably. I was so cold. My body was like in shock. And later, other I had C-sections later with my two boys after the plan, but I didn't shake to the extent that I did after having her. My body was just... I couldn't control how hard I was shaking. I remember being so scared about how bad I was shaking. But then that kind of subsided and they took me back to my room and I slept for a few hours. Then the doctor came to see us. She told us that Evelyn looked just like her daddy, like Ace. And she did. She said that they did find a clot in her umbilical cord and that could have been the cause. Then they brought her to us, and she was absolutely perfect. She did look like her daddy. She looked just like her daddy. She was born asleep at 38 weeks. I remember holding her being so sad and so crushed, but at the same time just looking at her with gratitude, being so thankful for her, thinking that she was a miracle, that I was holding my baby, my angel. When I had to try to walk for the first time after surgery, I couldn't stand up even close to straight. <laughs> Everything just hurt so bad. I felt like my body had betrayed me. Then it just, it failed me. And I don't know if the emotional toll contributed to me physically. I'm sure it did feeling that much worse. And I, I just, I had a broken heart and I felt like my body was broken. 
the love and support, though, that the doctors and nurses showed to Ace and I and our families will never, we will never forget. They gave us an extra room beside us in labor and delivery so that our parents could be there while I was laboring. And they tried to keep us, you know, somewhat more private and towards the end of a hall, you know, where that we had more space to ourselves so that I wouldn't have to see any other babies. But they were extremely good to us, along with our family and our friends. I had several friends that came to see us in the hospital and brought us food. One of my best friends that's a nurse brought a canvas, and she helped get Evie's footprints and handprints for me so that I could have that to remember her by. When we came home, it was a whirlwind. I was hurting so bad physically because I begged our doctor. Normally, 48 hours is how long you have to stay after a C-section. But I begged her because we had been there all week. It was Thursday, and I just begged her, please, I just want to go home. And she let us go home Thursday afternoon late. So I really should have still been in the hospital when we got home. And I remember just hurting so bad. I took my pain medicine that they gave me and they gave me some Xanax. I was taking my Xanax because I just, I, everything hurt. <laughs> then later that night on Friday, my milk came in and that was painful both emotionally and physically. And it was another a harsh reminder that I didn't have a baby to feed. My friends helped me, brought me cabbage leaves to try to put in my bra to help with the swelling. And I just remember standing in the shower that night crying. And I actually couldn't stand in the shower. They had to bring me a, a chair. <laughs> then... The next few days, we planned what we thought would be a, a small, really small, intimate funeral service for Evelyn. It was that Sunday afternoon. Ace and I had um, had our family and friends around us during that time. I remember we were pulling up to the cemetery. We had a graveside for Evelyn and just seeing all the cars that were there, all the people that were there. It completely just floored me that that many people were there for her and for us. It was really special to have that much love surrounding us. I felt like during the service, I was somewhat on like autopilot mode. <laughs> Our preacher spoke and Ace read a poem and we had someone sing a song and that someone later became one of my students. <laughs> but I had her to sing Thy Will by Hilary Scott. If you have never listened to that song, go listen to it. She wrote the song about the loss of her own baby. Those lyrics helped express how I was feeling. And in a way, I think they helped me feel less alone. Because someone else had felt that same way that I was feeling. 
after the funeral and visitation was over and the following day was Monday. So the world kept turning. Everybody got up and went to work and, you know, Monday, the week was starting. Everybody was living their lives. And I felt like my life had been just ripped right out of my arms. I stayed on the couch and in the bed crying, trying to recover from the C-section still. My mama and my best friend came over that Monday afternoon, and I remember telling them, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do now. I don't know who I am. I don't know what to do. I don't know what my identity is anymore. Everything that I had planned, all that I had envisioned for my future was gone. It was gone. The way I looked at my life and six months ahead of time or six months down the road and a year down the road, five years down the road was just snatched. All that planning and dreaming and it was just gone. And I had to grieve. I was grieving the loss of my child and the grieving, grieving the, the loss of the life that I thought I was going to have. Ace handled his grief different from me. He put his head down and he went back to work on Monday morning. <laughs> I was alone at home. It was really hard. I just felt alone and I just didn't know what to do with myself. And I was kind of angry that he could get up and go to work. I felt like he still got that. He still got his identity. I don't have my identity anymore. But I've learned through marriage and over the time that we've been married, going through different things, facing different loss and different, dealing with different grief, different types of grief, how he deals with it and how I deal with it. And I, I've grown to recognize that he's not doing that on purpose to hurt me. He lost his child too, and he was dealing with it the best way he knew how. So I remember in the days after, right after it happened, I think it was when we were first home somewhat from the hospital. I remember crying on the floor of my bathroom and my arms were just physically aching to just hold my baby. They were just absolutely aching because they were empty. I didn't know why this happened to us. I was tested for every clot disorder under the sun and nothing came back positive. The odds of a clot in an umbilical cord are 1 in 1,300. For a while, I blame myself. Even now, sitting here five years later, I still feel some type of guilt. I always think to myself, what if I would have caught it sooner? What if I would have realized? What if I could have gotten to the doctor's appointment the week before? But I had to realize, and I still have to realize, that questioning everything or the things that there just weren't and aren't any answers to is not and will not help me. In the months to come, I cried a lot. <laughs> I drank a good bit of wine to try to numb, numb my feelings. I didn't like going to kids' birthday parties. Or seeing babies and mamas with their babies. 
I felt like I couldn't control my emotions. Like I was just gonna burst, and I did burst out crying or start crying without control of it for a long time. It was hard. I did, however, at a certain point decide with my doctor that an antidepressant was needed and a huge part of what got me through. I also turned deeply to my faith. There's absolutely no way that I would have come through this without God. I prayed. I read my Bible. I found devotionals that spoke to loss and losing a child that you didn't know, miscarriage, stillbirth, infant loss. I found those resources that helped me. I gave myself permission to grieve, and I had some really, really terrible days but I had some some good days some okay days but ultimately I chose to get up and to keep going every day at a certain point in my grief I chose the hard road of moving forward not moving on without her without Evelyn but moving forward for her Today, I'm going to leave y'all with a Bible verse, and it's something that spoke to me deeply when I was going through this really hard season after we lost our baby. It is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Today, I hope that our story brings you some comfort and that you know you're not alone. Happy birthday in heaven to my sweet baby girl, Evelyn Lee Cox. We love you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Emerging as Me podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot and share it with a friend. This helps me spread the word and touch more lives. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. To continue the conversation, you can find and follow me on Instagram. Talk with y'all later.